The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood from ANS. A little background on Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We are the largest subspecialized neurosurgery group in the state of New Jersey with seven locations throughout the state. Our main office is at 310 Madison Avenue in Morristown, New Jersey. Our newest office, I'm proud to say, is in Somerset County in Bedminster. You can reach us on uh, the web at www.ansdocs.com. Again, it's www.ansdocs.com. And our main number to reach us at the office is 973-285-7800. And again, um, don't let insurance dictate where you go for neurosurgery. We will see all patients at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. So you do have that uh, wonderful chance to get that neurosurgery uh, you're looking for if you're suffering from back pain or any neurological disorder. Okay, today I'm excited again. I have a wonderful uh, guest Today I'm going to be speaking with uh, Roland Romano. He's a, um, a respiratory therapist and a tobacco specialist. I thought this topic um, was a wonderful topic. We're going to be talking about smoking cessation. Um, he's also the community outreach specialist for St. Barnabas Medical Center. Uh, he works at the Lung Cancer Center. A few weeks back we had the um, Dr. Andy Brown from the Lung Cancer Center from Barnabas uh, talking about lung cancer, and I thought it was only appropriate that we would bring on uh, Roland, who specializes in smoking cessation and knows more about smoking and how to stop smoking and the health effects um, than most people. Uh, let me give you the number for the call-in, because this is a call-in show. So again, I want to stress my listeners, call in and ask those questions. Again, the call-in number for the show here is 973-267-9687. Again, that's 973 267 9687. And one other number, write it down, get your pencils ready for the Lung Cancer Center, because they're going to be talking about the free screenings again, is 973 322 6644. Again, that's 973 322 6644. Okay, we got that all out of the way now. Uh, good morning, Roland. How good are morning, you? Good morning, Tom. How are you today? I'm um, great. Thank you so much for coming on to Answers Live. Um, before we get into this uh, topic, just uh, give our listeners a little bit about your background. Okay, I am a registered respiratory therapist uh, for St. Barnabas Medical Center. I'm going on about 20 years service there. Uh, currently, I am the community outreach coordinator for the Lung Cancer Institute for our lung center, our cancer center there. And uh, basically what I do is I treat nicotine dependency and I go into the community and I educate on the importance of early detection for lung cancer. And we offer free low-dose CAT scans for high-risk individuals. And I also go into the community and 
do presentations on smoking cessation. Okay, so um, this is at the Lung Cancer Center. You have this free screenings, and if someone wanted to get that free screening, is there a criteria they have to meet? Most definitely. The criteria is you have to be between the age of 55 and 74, and you have to have a 30-pack year history of smoking. Okay. So uh, a 30-pack year history of smoking would be an individual that smoked, say, one pack of cigarettes per day for 30 years, okay. or someone who smoked two packs of cigarettes per day for 15 years. So you just have to do a little math. We figure that out. And if you meet that criteria, you can come in. Or you could be between the age of 50 and 74 with a 20-pack year history of smoking with other criteria such as maybe a family members that had lung cancer or history of lung disease such as COPD or emphysema. So those two different sets of criteria, if you are eligible, you could come in and meet with a nurse navigator who will ask you some more questions and be part of the program. And it is a study from the early uh, lung detection program. It's an international program. Okay. That's a great resource to have so close. All right. Let's get into this, uh, the smoking. What are some of the health effects? We, and most people hear different health effects, but let's start with the hard-hitting question. But what are some of the health effects of smoking? Okay. Basically, cigarette smoking accounts for an estimated 443,000 deaths, or nearly one of every five deaths reported in the United States. Wow. And that's powerful. Huge. And when it comes to lung cancer deaths, 156,000 lung cancer deaths related to smoking happen every year. Just from smoking? Just from smoking. Okay. That's a scary statistic for sure. Um, more, more deaths are caused by tobacco use than by all deaths, deaths of HIV, illegal drug use, alcohol use, motor vehicle accidents, suicides, and murders combined. Right. So this is all from smoking. It also causes an estimated 90% of all lung cancer deaths in men and 80% of all lung cancer deaths in women. And 90% of all cases of COPD are related to smoking. Okay. So listening to you, I would sit here as an educated guy saying, well, why the heck would you want to smoke with those statistics? But the biggest problem is once you're smoking, the difficulty to stop. Most definitely. What are, what are those barriers to quitting smoking? Let's Let's, because like I said, listening to your statistics, it's scary. You would think I would never smoke, but people, A, start, uh, they get addicted to it, and then they can't stop. Right. So let's talk about that. Um, again, if you want to go more into the effects, but what are those barriers? Why, why can't people stop? Because number one, the enjoyment of smoking. Okay. okay, I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm an ex-smoker. I did years and years ago, yeah. Okay. And uh, if you would have asked me if I like to smoke, I would have responded by no. I love to smoke. Okay. So the enjoyment factor is there. The uh, anticipated loss of using cigarette smoking uh, to control stress or uh, bad moods. So people use uh, nicotine, the cigarette, as their best friend. They go to their cigarette when they have issues in their lives. Um, your wife, your best friend may be there 24-7, but... Uh, Guess what? The cigarette is really there 24-7. Right. Okay, if you plan it correctly. I do remember that when I did smoke years ago. If I got stressed, I would, oh, you need a cigarette. A fear of gaining weight. 
yeah. is, a, is another barrier. And we know that for the most part, on the average, an individual can gain up to 7 to 10 pounds the first year when they quit smoking. So a lot of people, especially women, are really reluctant to give up that they don't want to gain up. They don't want to gain the weight. Is that a direct correlation to the stop smoking, or is that because you're substituting the food and the oral fixation with food? Because I was thinking that too. I, I watch my weight. I'm always afraid of gaining weight, and when, initially that was something I thought of, like, oh, well, I'm going to gain. When weight. it comes to gaining weight, what happens is nicotine is a stimulant. Okay, it speeds up your uh, metabolism. So. When you quit smoking, your metabolism slows. Okay, so you have to compensate for that. Okay. So if you do not exercise, you need to start exercising. If um, you uh, uh, start eat, watching the foods you eat, you may have to eat, eat non-fattening foods, the fruits and vegetables. So you have to compensate that way. But look at it as changing into a healthy lifestyle all around. Most definitely. is how you would focus on it. Um, but the biggest barriers are that then. It's more like losing your best friend possibly gaining weight, um, not having that extra out. Also, so also lack of coverage for smoking cessation. That's true. Where can you go to get service for, for smoking cessation? Uh, most of the programs have been discontinued, especially in the state of New Jersey. Uh, and our, most of our quit centers have been eliminated. And not many programs offer, especially free services, which we do. Right. That, that's a very good resource to have. Um, a question I have is, what are the stages of change in relation to a smoke-free lifestyle? I think that, that scares people. Mm -hmm. uh, the stages of change, that's in relation to two uh, psychologists, Prochanska and DiClemente. They were two psychologists that put the stages of change together. And you could really use this in anything you do in life. Uh, you have the pre-contemplator that, uh, you know, hey, Joe, you should be quitting smoking. Right. And no, 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 I don't want to do that. So you have the pre-contemplator. And then you move into contemplation. And that's the person, you know, they may be a little ambivalent, you know, I should quit smoking because I know it's bad for me, but I, you know, I also like to smoke. And then you go into preparation. And preparation to me is the most important stage of change in anything you do in life. Because if you prepare yourself properly, you're going to be more successful. And what most people do that are, that want to quit smoking, they go from pre-contemplation right into action or uh, contemplation into action and they miss the most important stage of change was which is preparation so that's why at our our, our our center if someone is identified as someone who has quit within the last year i still would like to speak to them because i want to know if they prepared themselves properly so they could be more successful and then from action you go into maintenance and then of course relapse or lapse okay and I do want to get into, and in coming up in a few questions, actually how to start, how to stop smoking, mm -hmm. and and those, those stages, and what we can do. But what I want to ask you, um, <clears throat> this is a good question um, here. Are there any relevant questions that you can differentiate between someone who is a behavioral smoker, and someone who is actually highly addicted uh, to the nicotine in there? And 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 is is the nicotine what really causes someone? Uh, to not be able to stop smoking? Or is it just, because I always thought I was addicted to the nicotine, but I kind of did, like you said, it was a social thing. It was the oral fixation. But what is really, uh, no, if you're really addicted to that nicotine? Okay, so when we talk about addiction, you're talking about two components. You're talking about tolerance and you're talking about withdrawal. 
So tolerance meaning as you started as a smoker, as you recall, you maybe smoked on occasion. You had that uh, maybe Friday night cigarette. And before you knew it, you were down to uh, up to like Friday and Saturday. And before you knew it, you're buying your pack of cigarettes. So tolerance meaning needing more of, of a product to get the same effect. So that's part of an addiction. And then, of course, withdrawal. Withdrawal is the major part because nicotine is a classified drug and when you withdraw from nicotine, you can go through an array of withdrawal symptoms. Right. Could we could we um, mention some of them? Because I remember what I went through, and and at some point, like I said, and I was not a heavy smoker. My wife, when I met her, was a was a heavy smoker, um, and I just remember the stress of of trying to stop. And I think that's what frightens people is going through. It's somewhat I don't want to say pain, but it is. It is very difficult. It's a mental game that mm-hmm. you're you just that's all you could think about is that cigarette and and I think that's a barrier to most people. So why why is it that nicotine so addictive and and what could people do? Okay. So I'm going to explain to you uh why the nicotine uh we know like I said that nicotine is a classified drug. Yeah. And each classified drug has what we call a half-life. Okay. The half-life of a drug is the amount of time that half the strength of it takes to leave your body. So nicotine's half-life is two hours. So by chemistry, every two hours, you should need a cigarette to wow. keep your levels at where your body is comfortable. Once you start dipping below that two hours, now two hours isn't a long time, no. okay? Right. So you start dipping down beyond that two hours, and these are some of the feelings you may experience, such as irritability, anxiety, difficulty concentrating, increased appetite, insomnia, crying, depression, fatigue, agitation, restlessness, anger, frustration, hostility, impatience, craving, feeling disoriented, weight gain, and tremors. I could probably say experience wow. some of that, right? That's, that's a lot of stuff going on. That's worse than some drugs. You and these yeah. feelings will peak if you start going through withdrawal. They will peak two weeks into your quit. Okay. And that's why a lot of people they'll last a few days. They may last that first week, but once they get into that one week to two week period, whatever they are experiencing, if they are they will start peaking at two weeks, and that's when most people throw in the hat. Okay. So why have this high peak at two weeks with special tools? And that's a theme I talk about with my clients is the more tools that you use to help you quit smoking, the more successful you'll be. Right. So there are FDA-approved pr- products that we use on a daily basis. Right. Because you'll hear a lot of people, I, I've heard it where they say, my husband or my wife stopped smoking, but I actually told them to start because they're just unbearable to exactly. live with. Or I, I'll go buy them a pack of cigarettes. Right. I couldn't take it anymore. Right. Yes. And that's why it's important to keep, uh, to have uh, the individuals that you live with and work with involved with your quit so they know where you're doing and they know some of these withdrawal symptoms so they realize, you know what, this isn't Tom. This is Tom going through withdrawal. We, right. have, to, we have to really be supportive here. And where in that process, before we get into the big questions on proven methods to stop, um, where in that process does things get easier? Like you said, at two weeks, it's peaking. Mm-hmm. When when could someone say, okay, now you've hit this mark, 
it should get a little easier from this point. Is there a certain point where that eases? Everyone is different. Okay. Okay. But the point here is never have that high peak. Okay. Use the tools in the very beginning or before you even start your quit so you don't have that high peak and you have a bump in the road. Gotcha. So tools meaning counseling, mm-hmm. uh, maybe nicotine replacement or medications that we use uh, uh, that are FDA approved. Right. And I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about all that and we're going to get into some really intense discussions about how to stop smoking. Great. I'll be right back. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We've truly got your back. Welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood. We have an exciting show today on smoking cessation with my special guest, Roland Romano, from the Lung Cancer Center at St. Barnabas Medical Center. Um, I have a lot of questions I want to get through before the end of the show, so I'm going to jump right back into it and go back to a little bit of a question I asked right before the show, um, uh, differentiating between a behavioral smoker and a highly addictive How do you know that? What are the questions? There are a set of questions that we ask. These are evidence-based questions uh, by uh, another psychologist called Fragerstrom. And there are six questions that we score. And it's quite easy. Basically, the first question, which tells me if someone's highly addicted, is how much do they smoke? Okay. So if someone smokes under 10 cigarettes, uh, they get a zero or Compared to someone who smokes maybe 30 or more cigarettes, they get three on the scale. Okay. Okay. Another important question is, do you find it difficult to refrain from smoking in places where it's forbidden? So if it's a yes, you get a one, zero, a a no, a zero. Uh, Which cigarette would you hate to give up the most? This is a very interesting question because some people just can't even answer this. Would you hate to give up the first cigarette of your day? or all the other cigarettes of your day. So let's just say you're a -a pack-a-day smoker. Would you hate to give up that first one or the other 19? Now, if someone tells me that they would hate to give up that first cigarette, that's telling me they're highly addicted. And you would think, no, the other 19, but no. They need that first cigarette to to start start their day. Another question is, how many minutes after you wake do you smoke your first cigarette? So if it's within, say, five minutes, you get a three. Wow. Okay? If it's after a half hour, you know, you get like a zero. So depending on the time. So you add up these points, the highest 10, lowest zero, and the higher that you score to 10 tells me you're more addicted to the nicotine. The closer to zero tells me you're more of a behavioral smoker. Wow. That's okay? uh, amazing. And that will guide me of where I may recommend treatment for them using different tools. Okay. 
So that's a good tool to know. And, and just brought a question. I know an acquaintance of mine, uh, his wife tells me that he actually will get up in the middle of the night to smoke. So that's that's oh, an addiction. That's an addiction. And that goes back to that half-life of nicotine. Right. Most smokers, when they go to sleep, uh, say they go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night, they'll have a cigarette before they go to bed, and they can last that six to eight hours until they wake up, and maybe within five minutes they'll have their first cigarette or within a half hour. But individuals that wake up during the night to smoke, their brain is waking them up because their nicotine level is dropping, and their brain is saying it's time for a hit. Wow. Yes. And most people think they're going, getting up during the middle of the night to maybe go to the bathroom or whatever. But in reality, they're having a cigarette first and then they're going to the bathroom. Unbelievable. Yes. That's highly addicted. You're right. Okay. So let's get into the quitting part of the show. Um, what are some of the non-proven methods to quit smoking and what are the proven methods? Okay. Uh, the non-proven methods are such as like weaning yourself off of uh, the cigarettes. For most people, some can do it, but most cannot. What they'll do is they'll, say they're a pack-a-day smoker. They'll say, okay, next week I'm going to smoke uh, 18 cigarettes and then 16. If it, and it may go good until a stressful moment comes. And then all of a sudden, they're back to their 20 cigarettes or more. Another... Uh, Bad way of quitting is using the e-cigarette. Okay, yeah. Okay, the electronic cigarette, not FDA approved. There are carcinogenics in it. The vapor that comes off it is really bad. Uh, we have seen cases of lipoid pneumonia from people who use that because it's an oil base. And also in the state of New Jersey with the smoke-free Act bill. If you're caught using an e-cigarette in public areas where smoking is prohibited, you could be fined up to one thousand dollars. Right. And I have teenagers who are wowed by this e-cigarette. Not thankfully they didn't try it, but they're they're thinking it's you could smoke. There's no nicotine. It's not a problem. It is a problem. It's there a is a problem. problem. There is nicotine in them, and also there's other carcinogenics. And the FDA is looking at this product Good. to ban it. Okay. Uh, cigar smoking. People think they change from cigarettes to cigars. Right. A cigar is 10 times worse than a cigarette. Really? You may not be inhaling it, which I, I would debate that, but you're getting the nicotine in the mucosa of the mouth, and you're still getting it. And that's so, a huge gum cancer, lip cancer. Exactly. Right. Oral cancer is a major factor, but uh, also the nicotine with the, the plaque and the vasoconstriction, uh, very bad for you. So uh, hypnosis laser therapy, acupuncture, these are all means that there is no scientific evidence that they work. And of course, cold turkey and staples. Right. Okay. The means that we're going to talk about now are proven methods okay. that uh, are basically backed by the U.S. Department of Health and Services. Uh, they're clinical practice guidelines. Okay. So let's get into them. Okay. The first means is we use a, a method at our uh, center using behavioral modification combined with pharmacotherapy. So behavioral modification, we will counsel our, our clients, we'll get them on board, we'll get them prepared. We bring them back to that preparation stage. And then the tools we use that are, are, are pharmacological based are things such as the nicotine patch. The patch is a great base. Uh, most of them come in 21 milligrams down to a 14, down to a 7. So it's like a three-step program. You uh, do a calculation. Each cigarette that you smoke is approximately 2 milligrams of nicotine. So if you're smoking 
a, a pack a day, that's 20 cigarettes, you're putting 40 milligrams of nicotine in your body. If you put the highest dose patch on, you're cutting your nicotine level in half. So you're not going to harm yourself. Right. The nicotine patch, you usually put on your upper extremity. You, you rotate from side to side daily so you don't get any skin irritation from the adhesive. And if you do have any uh, reaction to it, you just use a, a, a mild hydrocortisone cream. Okay. Never put the patch over your heart. Okay. So I like the patch as a baseline. Now, if you're a heavy smoker, you may even want to put two patches on, but you have to be very careful with that. Okay. But for a base, one patch. Okay. Then you have uh, the Nicorette gum, which comes in two milligrams and four milligrams. If you were going to use it by itself, you would use the four milligram. If you had your first cigarette within a half hour, you would use the four milligram. Uh, you do not chew the gum. You take one or two bites to release the juice, and you park it like chew. Okay. You want that tingle, that taste, you take another bite or two to release the juice. Um, it's very acidic, so you don't want that juice to go to your stomach. So that's why you park it. And um, you should not have an acidic product like orange juice, tomato juice, uh, 15 minutes before or after using that product. There's also a lozenge. You know, there's the uh, Commit lozenge. There are the Nicorette mini lozenge, which are little, little Tic Tacs. They come in 2 milligrams and 4 milligrams. Very good. You just suck on them, and the nicotine dissolves. It's a, a, a quicker hit to your brain. Do you know that nicotine reaches your brain in uh, 7 seconds? Oh, my a God. A cigarette delivery system. Okay. Okay. It, that's the that's quicker than uh, uh, if you had uh, an IV, IV put in. Right. Okay. Seven seconds. That's how how this uh, delivery system is structured. Unbelievable. Isn't it unbelievable? So um, the gum, the lozenge, the patch. We also have what we call a Nicotrol inhaler. Uh, it looks like two Tipperillo tips that you unscrew and you put a nicotine cartridge in there and you puff on it like a cigar. You don't take a deep hit on it because it could irritate your lungs. Uh, you get it in the mucosa of your mouth also. And you have about 80 puffs per cartridge. Uh, that product is a prescription where the patch, the lozenge, and the gum are over the counter. Okay. And there's also a Nicotrol in, um, nasal spray which you squirt it up your nostrils and you get a quick hit to the brain. I personally do not like that product. I think it's highly addictive, but for certain uh, populations, it is a good product. Okay. Okay. So those are five nicotine replacement products, and there are two non-nicotine products we could discuss. Okay. Um, we're getting short on time, but I, I do want to ask, listening to so you're still still getting nicotine into your body. So what these systems do is slowly wean you off. Exactly. Opposed to a cold turkey thing. Exactly. So instead of having that high peak at two weeks, right. you use the nicotine products, and I want you to use enough of them. Right. Because if you were that pack-a-day smoker and we're putting a 21-milligram patch on you, I would use another product with it, a combo therapy, like the patch and the Nicorette gum, the patch and the lozenge, the patch and the inhaler. So with weaning, your body will eventually get off nicotine and not have this desire to go back. Exactly. Like you and I are sitting here, I have no desire. It's actually a repulsion to exactly. it. Exactly. Um, which is wonderful. Um, okay, so that helps me uh, and the listeners understand how to stop smoking to a point, what are the other two? Um, you see the drugs on TV now. Yes, okay, and that's important to talk about before we uh, end here. There's two non-nicotine products. They are prescriptions. One is an antidepressant called bupropion. Okay. Bupropion, uh, they noticed they were giving this drug to individuals with mild depression. Uh, 
and these individuals who were smokers were quitting. It's a very good drug. You cannot have history of seizures. That's a contraindication. What it does is it mimics dopamine. Dopamine is released when you put nicotine into your body, travels that reward pathway, and binds to receptor sites of your brain that uh, dopamine binds to. So it mimics the dopamine, gives you that reward feeling. That drug you can use with nicotine replacement products because it does not block nicotine. Okay. The other product is called Chantix. Right. It's also called Verniculine. That there also mimics dopamine. It gives you 40% reward, but it does something additional that bupropion does not. It blocks nicotine after being on it for one week. Ah. So it gives you that reward and it blocks nicotine. The only thing with the Chantix, there is risk with taking any drug. I would always do with our clients a risk assessment. Okay. Okay. It's called a Kessler 6. I always do that with every patient because if you're not a good candidate, if you have history of depression, you stay away from that product. If you're schizophrenic or bipolar, you stay away from that product. So those are two great non-nicotine products if you're a good candidate. And the bupropion you could use with other products because it does not block the nicotine. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Roland. That was such an uh, interesting topic. We got so much information. I wish we could talk more, but of course, the 30-minute show goes quick. Again, to reach the Lung Cancer Center at St. Barnabas, it's 973-322-6644. And again, I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. Our number is 973-285-7800. And keep an eye out for the new uh, Answers Live website where you can listen to these shows again and get information. If you need to speak to me, uh, you can call our office and get more information on any of the topics you hear. Again, thank you so much and have a wonderful Sunday. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. For 65 years, Classic Oldies WMTR has been serving the community right here in New Jersey. That's why each week we have WMTR's Rock and Rough, where we try and find homes for New Jersey homeless animals. Joining us this week is Michael from the Jersey Animal Coalition in South Orange. Michael brought Chip. Tell us about Chip. Chip's about three years old. He's a pit bull mix. Small little guy. Just hates being in, in a shelter and, and in a cage. Once he's out, he's the sweetest dog. Great with people. And we're just really trying to find him a home. Chip will be an awesome dog once he gets out of the shelter. If you'd like to see Chip interacting with the WMTR staff, log on to WMTRAM.com, click on the Rock and Rough link and there's a video right there. You can also check out the other dogs still up for adoption.